Warm Regards is supported by Arcadia Power, the first company to give you a clean energy choice on your monthly power bill. Arcadia's online platform provides clean energy options to homeowners and renters in all 50 states. Anyone who pays a utility bill is eligible to sign up and start using clean energy at home at no extra cost with the free 50% wind energy option. Reduce your impact and get four free LED light bulbs sent to your door when you sign up at arcadiapower.com slash warmregards. That's arcadiapower.com, A-R-C-A-D-I-A, arcadiapower.com slash warmregards. Arcadia Power, help to change the way America consumes energy. Hey everybody, this is Warm Regards, a dialogue between the climate scientists, newsmakers, journalists, and people on the front lines of climate change. I'm Eric Holthouse here in Tucson, Arizona. So we're going to do an, an emergency uh, a podcast for obvious reasons. Um, I mean, literally my heart is racing right now and it has been all day. And I know that a lot of you feel the same way. Not really sure what to think right now. Kind of slapped in the face, of course. Um, the, the stakes, of course, you know, of last night are so huge as to be almost unfathomable on climate. Hundreds of years, dozens of generations. We can't get around that fact. The future of humanity and of all species we share this planet with is much more murky than it was 24 hours ago, and that is not an exaggeration. So um, that does not mean, of course, that we should give up hope. Um, and that's kind of what I want to talk about with uh, with Andy and with, with Jacqueline right now. We're, so we're just going to do um, a quick discussion, and we're planning a more in-depth um, show later this week with some guests and really dive into um, the, the psychology of denial, some activist um, efforts that are ongoing right now, and sort of get a bigger picture of sort of where things go from here. But right now, we're just going to talk about our instant reactions. So um, Andy and, and Jacqueline, thanks for thanks for joining me as always. Yeah, of course. Good to be with you. So uh, yeah, very somber, obviously. Um, and... Um, you know, I, I got an email from my mom um, saying, you know, we, I believe in you, what you're doing, you know, um, I, I'm, I'm still not quite sure who she voted for. Um, she lives in a you know, small town in Kansas. Um, everyone we know there, you know, everyone we grew up with is, is Republican. Um, they said they were going to vote third party, but, you know, maybe that was just, just, I'm not trying to put words in their mouths or anything, but it's like, I know that there was such, such, such division in the country before this election that maybe we have families trying to sort of um, get along despite what their true beliefs were. We didn't know that this was going to happen. Obviously, that's not none of the polls showed showed this happening. There was obviously some people that voted some way that they weren't. Um, you know, you know, weren't weren't talking about, um, and that has consequences for all of us. So, so uh, just a couple of questions today. Um, what changes now on on climate now that Trump is president elect? Um, how are people in the community responding? People that you're talking to, and where do we go from here? So, um, Andy, I don't know. You have you have a piece up already? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's several layers to any question about climate. One is domestic, meaning national, one is global. Um, on both fronts, he has pretty pretty limited options initially, especially compared to what would be happening otherwise. You know, Obama's put forward the Clean Power Plan, and 
a bunch of states are, you know, developing clean power plants, but a bunch aren't. And they, the, that court case is going to play out regardless. Um, and we have this question of the Supreme Court, which is going to affect a huge number of things along with climate. Um, and that could be, in, in a way, the biggest thing. Uh, setting, setting aside policy, uh, not just for the clean power power plan, but for so many uh, social issues. Um, at the international scale, uh, he can't really do much. Uh, what I said in the piece was the the main thing driving emissions trends globally is not the U.S., not our policy. You know, we're already declining emissions. Um, and Obama, you know, some good trends happen here under Obama. But when you look carefully at those trends, they were a function of markets more than policy. Yeah, it's mostly yeah. A, a as a reaction of switching from coal to natural gas and also exporting those manufacturing jobs and in, in factories and making stuff in in other countries. Yeah, and and coal fired coal fired power plants are already being squeezed by conventional regulations, um, uh, you know, for mercury and and um, uh, other pollutants. So so it's not like there's some immediate impact. And and on the other side, you know, what I my job is going to be to hold them. To some of the, they're like these weirdly hidden things he said that in statements uh, during the when the science debates, people you know sent questions to everybody that were really important. One was he actually does say he kind of backs into it, but he says we should move, move past fossil fuels, <laughs> and uh, you know I think some people have to hold his feet to the fire on that. And and he also said like research is important. I couldn't believe it. He said even even in a budget, he's I mean he said like it's pretty wild. He said. Though there are increasing demands to curtail spending and balance the federal budget, we must make the commitment to invest in science, engineering, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it's obvious that there was some sort of policy delegate that wrote that. Oh, totally. But but, but that's important Mm -hmm. because those are the people who will actually be advising Mm -hmm. it, you know. Right, but but not climate science, right? I mean, he just Well, he didn't specify. No, but but he he recently said that cutting climate science would save $100 billion and that he's he's committed to cutting funding for climate science. Oh, I know. You know, and again, this is... But this is where you you come in, you know, and science scientists come in, and the AAAS and AGU and everybody else comes in in terms of uh, making the case that that's really stupid. You know, Harper tried it in Canada, and it made him look bad. And he's not president. He's not. Uh, yeah, not obviously, he's facts not don't matter anymore, 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 though, Andy. But we're we're I mean. also though we're also though in the in the place where we've already been doing that. I mean, science funding has been level or has been going down while demand has gone up because we've you know had more scientists and fewer. Uh, safe or, or fully funded hard lines for science. Um, and, you know, so there are more and more soft money positions that are funded completely on grants. And in the meantime, you know, scientists are are being called before Congress for these really spurious, um, you know, testimonies and attacks on research, attacks on NSF, the National Science Foundation, and the peer review process, um, which are fundamental structures in how publicly funded research is done. So this is money that comes from taxpayers to do research on climate change, science and impacts and mitigation that's in the public interest, as opposed to, you know, money that is funded by corporations or, or science that's funded by corporations or, um, you know, or uh, or relying on charity, right? And, you know, we're, I have colleagues and students that I'm very concerned about. I'm concerned about my own research um, and, you know, early career scientists, especially that are already struggling under, under, you know, a president as science and climate friendly as Obama. I know. Well, you know, and I'm, that's why I'm not saying this is like, yay, <laughs> but oh. I'm saying I'm looking for the signs of, you know, where can we hold them to um, some standard for 
that he has to demonstrate he's going to sustain. Yeah, and but uh, this comes to who he nominates, and you know, let's. Oh, you know, Sarah get Palin out there. is on the list for the um, Secretary of the Interior, which would oversee the National Park Service. No, yeah, and I'm wild. and I'm picturing too, you know, like national parks being divvied up, and like the the bulldozers plowing in and like cutting forests, and you know, oh, it'll all that it'll, stuff. It'll be. Well, I mean, so there's already been a, a progressive reduction in the funding for national parks. They used to be most mostly fee free, um, so anyone could go in our country and take advantage of these amazing natural resources. And then they started implementing fee based programs so that parks that get more visitors have more money. Um, and you know, they've been opening them up to things like um, snowmobiles, and you know, more and more roadless areas are being opened up. And in the meantime, you know, it's not out of the question that we could have you know, our parks um, uh, sponsored in the same way that our stadiums and other and, and other public, um, you know, spaces are. Yeah. yeah. And also, I'm, I don't want to be put, but being I don't want to be put in the position of being the Trump defender. Here. No, there. No, I, no. I don't no. think that there are many I, Trump defenders. Defending there are the maybe Trump realists that are that are willing to work <laughs> with with him it, well somehow it, we have to figure a way to and do i would you know i would put years. even obama into that you know his statement this morning was super like yeah he, he talked about he talked about um what word did he use he he used a intramural scrimmage or something like that it's like we're all on the same team <laughs> we are clearly not all on the same team i mean right. it, no. it, clearly said you know in almost every case the economy will trump the environment we will we will prioritize logging we will pri prioritize forestry interests we'll pri prioritize um, mineral extraction oil drilling everything above the environment because we keystone yeah we back on the planet. yep yeah. uh, and they've already you know um the uh, the people that are um, the Canadian company behind the Keystone XL has already issued a statement saying they're going to re reapply for a permit under under Trump. So um, you know all of these things that that Obama and uh, environmentalists have been working for so hard for decades um, could you know be er erased in the matter of a, a couple of years. Not only that, but you have. Republican control of Congress, Republican control of the, the conservative control of the Supreme Court, and he has the presidency. Basically, his word will become law. I mean, we have not only risking turning back, uh, turning back the clean power plan, as you said, Andy, in parts, but we could, you know, put, you know, Massachusetts versus EPA, uh, uh, you know, the 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 authority that gives the EPA to regulate carbon dioxide as a pollutant, you know, basically the 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 force behind all climate action in this country could be, you know, turned over. You know, there like I'm I'm kind of pessimistic right now. So well, and I and I also want to point out that, you know, if you think about the progress that's been made in the last eight years, it's been incremental and hard fought and with a Congress that has basically had an agenda of doing nothing but stymieing any effort that President Obama, you know, has has tried to put forward, um, regardless of its merits. It's just a matter of making sure that nothing that he wants to do mm -hmm. gets passed. And now it's right? going to be balls and, to the wall. And now it's going to be balls to the wall. And so, you know, for all this talk about being on the same team and in the same boat and and compromise, and, and you know me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm often very pragmatic. I love compromise. But, you know, we've been trying that model 
and it doesn't work. And, you know, progressives have been trying to reach across the aisle and have had very little success. And any little tiny victories that we have are now about to be undermined by, by you know, a, a party that basically can't wait to completely overturn everything. So they're not going to, there's not going to be any compromise under that model at all. And that worries me. So this, you know, brings me to my second question is, how are your colleagues, how are, how is, how are the people that you know in the climate community, how are they responding today? I'll let, I'll let Jacqueline go first. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, I think their people are still in shock. They're, de- I mean, I, I don't even want to say depressed, it's devastated. Um, you know, we don't have any sense, you know, it's, it's just so heartbreaking to see how quickly your hard work can be undermined and then put at risk. Um, you know, colleagues are concerned about how they're going to fund their research, about how they are going to, um, uh, to, 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 you know, what to do, right? Like, do we become more activist? Do we, um, do we have to start worrying about our, you know, a legal defense fund? Um, there's, there's just so much uncertainty and people are just in shock at this point and trying to, to move from a place of, of emotional devastation to a place where we we have to you know put our heads down and figure out okay what do we do next what isn't working do we need to be running for office do we need to be um you know looking at other sources of funding um do we start to become activists do we worry about the security of our research and our emails do we you know turning on two-factor authentication um do we start writing letters do we um, create more of a network for communicating with each other. Um, and in the meantime, you know, there's all this other work that we do, the science, and in my case as an academic, the teaching, and also this burden of administration um, and red tape that I have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. And all of those things kind of weigh on you when you also have to worry about the future of the future viability of your research. I mean, there's the vice president of the United States is going to be someone who believes the earth is younger than the time frame of the research in my lab. Like, what does that mean? Right? I can't even wrap my head around that. Like, how do I compromise with someone like that? Well, I mean, you take an example from Catherine Hayhoe, uh, who we've had on the show before, and she cuts off all of her graphs in her presentation at, you know, at 3000 um, BCE, just because that's, you know, that's the that's the agreed upon oldest date that the Earth existed. So why even show anything earlier than that? Because you can make the same points. Um, but, uh, yeah, you're in a tough spot, Jacqueline, though, because your research goes beyond that. Well, one thing, um, I, I, although as, a, as you just explained for, for true crea- creationists, this won't matter, but um, no matter what you think about global warming forced by greenhouse gases in a world with very high vulnerability to climate hazards even today, if you're not studying and clarifying the past climate patterns that you and others like you look at, uh, you're, you're setting yourself up for a big problem, um, in, in, including in some of the world's most vulnerable places where, where uh, climate hazards can really destabilize not just a region, but uh, result in part in some of the uh, mass movements like you see into Europe from North Africa. So that, uh, you know, there's a total argument for more climate science and more observational capacity, regardless of what someone thinks about global warming. That's a case that can and should be made. And I think it's a way to broaden the base for, uh, of support. It's like stealth climate science, right? Like, oh, look at the clean air for people's, 
you know, asthma. Well, who 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 in the world would want to be, uh, you know, uh, who in the world who has any kind of brain or, or is a thinking about policy in any way wouldn't want to get a sense of what the past climate history is in a place so you you know what could happen going forward and and that's the models help you figure out what's going to happen going forward uh, yeah, whether or not except, i don't know it, I, you couldn't hear my sigh just then oh maybe, i know i know because like, well, all, I, I mean, all the climate uh, trolls the first thing they tell me is you moron didn't you know the climate changed in the past and i'm like well actually i do yeah. but the, see that's an opportunity that you know i mean obviously as er, as eric is appropriately appropriately, appropriately saying that's not going to sort of get us on track with momentum but but stopping pausing you know that's an opportunity there's an opening right there to say, yeah, you know, we actually know some pretty amazing things about past climate, and and they're pretty freaking scary. But it, it, that's assuming too that that people respect and understand and appreciate science at all. You know, there are some worldviews that just don't factor science in at all. You know, oh, I you know, have... and evangelicals were mm. a big part of this victory, and you know, so that gets to maybe the ethics question of like, not only um, that, but 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 you know, he won. He won. Uh, he won white women. He won um, people without a college degree overwhelmingly, and it, it's just like the 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 picture that we have of what our country is is not what our country is, and that's what we learned last night. Uh, and well, by that's we, the most to me. That's so. I, I will. Uh, I will point out that we like for people for like blacks and Latinos, like they knew, right? Yes. They, they saw that already. Yeah. It was just for me, it's, or for a lot of, you know, my, my white friends and colleagues, it's been like, wow, things are worse than we thought. And then all of the people of like, color are see, like, see, told, told you. you. Yeah, you exactly. Know? No, I saw yeah. a lot of that on Twitter right. last night, too. For so sure. um, yeah. building on what Andy was saying, um, the uh, the president of the Marshall Islands uh, issued a, a statement, um, um, Haida Hilde, um, per- forgive me if I'm pronouncing her name or getting her name wrong, but... Um, she issued a statement from COP22 in Morocco, uh, which is ongoing right now, um, said that, and this is her quote, I expect Trump will realize that climate change is a threat to his people and to whole countries who share seas with the U.S., including my own. The Paris Agreement on Climate Change became law so quickly because there is a significant national interest for each country in pursuing aggressive climate action, and that fact has not changed because of the U.S. election. So if she has hope, then that means, you know, I do too. Like, this is what Andy said. These are these are the front lines of climate change. These are the people that, that have the most immediate um, consequence of this U.S. election beyond our, our borders. And... Um, there, there is reason, you know, we, we have, we have an international, um, climate framework now, which we didn't have a year ago. Well, yes, we didn't have a year ago. Um, and that will be resilient in some form to whatever, um, this presidency is. And I, I, you know, I think that, that we should, we, now will be the time to, to sort of pass the, whatever baton the United States had in climate, global climate leadership will be passed to somewhere. You know, I did an interview last night with a, um, uh, a, a reporter in Denmark, and she's, she just said, you know, it, it, does that mean that Europe is, is, is going to be climate leaders now? I said, like, you're, 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 Europe is already climate leader, has been for a long time. And also countries like the Marshall Islands are climate leaders, and they have, um, increasingly a lot of power um, in the in the structure that's emerging right now on globally. Yeah, I, I, well, one thing I said in my piece was that Paris um, 
you know, it, he can't really do much about it for at least three years. Um, and it's the good thing about the agreement, as we all know, is is it's got everybody in the game. The bad thing is it's not binding anyway. I, I wrote this year uh, or months ago that Trump, why, when he was kind of yelling about Paris, like getting out, you know, I said, why, you know, what's the big deal? It doesn't bind you in any way anyway. <laughs> you know, so there's nothing yeah, that the U.S. would have commitment. signed on to that was going to bind us. Just to... So he'll obviously ignore it, um, ignore the Obama target, but it doesn't necessarily mean that um, the economics are in his favor anymore. You know, like, like you've said, Andy, of uh, like coal is not coming back right. no matter how much we want it to, just because the economics not here, are not right, in, in the coal's States, favor right. anymore. It's in the still going to be so. a challenge uh, overseas. Yeah. So, you know, part of this, I think the next month or two, as he selects cabinet members, is really a crucial moment to to know whether this really is our the undoing of everything. And by the way, again, not just climate policy, but so many things. Um, if there's some sign of, you know, he, and he is a shapeshifter, and you know, it depends on what shape he wants to take as president. Does he want to go down in history as as what he was during the campaign, or does he want to go down in history as something who is someone who sort of circled back to, to reasonableness? I think there has to be a moment to at least uh, see if how that plays out. Again, massive eye roll that you can't see um, from <laughs> your desk, but but it's like um, but it, it's like I don't really I don't really know if, if Trump cares what people think of him. I mean, full stop. Like, um, I I don't know, Jacqueline. What did you, what were you gonna say? Oh uh, well, in terms of like whether he cares what people think about him, the only thing that matters, I I think, is that in his eyes he's a winner, and that's all that ever <laughs> mattered, right? When there's winners and losers, it's a binary world. Well, well, now he's a winner. Now he's a winner, right? Yeah, but um, I was just gonna say that um, uh, Lux Research just came out with a a study that estimated that Trump's policies will lead to an extra 3.4 billion tons of CO2 compared with Clinton's yeah, proposals. but that and presumes I don't know. I mean, I'm not like a I'm not. That's not my my jam in terms of like what I do, but so I don't know how realistic that is. But um, you know, that's th- yeah, it's it's scary. Well, that 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 analysis kind of it it kind of um, you know takes it pre- kind of presumes his policy would roll out seamlessly, and it presumes that Obama's policy would have rolled out seamlessly as well. In other words, on on both mm, on, that's fair on both ends. Yeah. It's it's kind of like taking RCP eight point five and assuming that's okay. It's an idealized yeah. platform, sure, on both sides. Yeah. Yep. That's fair. Uh, so, so I think I think that um, again, you know, there's we're 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 obviously it's it's been less than 24 hours. We're all prone to catastrophic thinking at this moment um, because this, you know, rightly should be considered the the most important issue in the world right now. And the fact that that it wasn't even talked about in the campaign really, and then the slap in the face of of the of the the only the world's only. Uh, climate science denier has won uh, um, and is now the arguably the most powerful man in the world. So, um, or soon will be. Um, so, f- so taking all that into consideration, where should we go from here as individuals that are focused on climate as well as as a community? Um, Jacqueline, I think you had uh, something you wanted to say about that. I do, and and you know, it's what I wanted to say about this is actually related to some feedback we got about the show recently, which is someone had some issues with me making some kind of qualifying statements about human behavior and how those are, those are dangerous because if you assume people are choosing certain kinds of, um, you know, types of energy because of, you know, economic concerns, et cetera, 
and not prioritizing climate, um, then you're you're not basically the idea that you know I've brought up that people have had to make compromises on climate moralistic compromises. moralistic compromises on sorry let me start over here. so that we had a, a listener who gave us some feedback recently that they were frustrated that by some of my statements that people might have to make moralistic compromises on climate for uh, economic reasons you know like the example I gave of senior citizens in Maine who had to to burn coal um, to stay warm in the winter and that sometimes you have to think about your survival first um, and and then then think about climate change later. And, um, you know, ever since this, I woke up this morning, I've been thinking about how am I supposed to be a climate scientist when I'm worried about going to jail for having had an abortion, which I've spoken publicly about. I'm worried about the students in my lab. I have queer students in my lab. I have students of color. I have I have immigrant students. I have students in my lab that aren't um, American citizens. I have women students in my lab and my classrooms. And, you know, for them, if if they're concerned about their safety, their physical safety in a post-Trump world, how are they supposed to come in and do research, right? And and so it's, it's like this you you know i know that that sounds like i'm i'm saying climate's not important and that we won't all lose if you know if 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 that you know that we're not all losers in a in a post trump world where climate change isn't valued um but what i'm trying to say is that it's not fair that you know we have to worry about these things when we should be concerned about what will happen to to the climate and so you know i came into the lab late today i it took me a long time to actually feel like I was in a place where I could come into my office and and I fully expected things to be quiet. I expected people to be staying home. Um, and uh, sorry, I so I, I walked by my lab and and like all my students were in there, you know, they were all at the microscope. And um, and so, you know, I think for for a lot of people, it's like the, the science is so important now like it's the one thing that we have to hold on to it's the work that we can do that's tractable and it's and it's important and maybe it's now important more than ever and so yeah for some people you know i've got i have friends and and family members and colleagues who um will lose life-saving health care benefits if the aca gets repealed and people who are concerned about their physical safety but um you know like just walking walking by my lab and just seeing my students in there on the microscope just like kind of gave me this moment of like, stop feeling sorry for yourself and do the fucking work. And, um, and so that's kind of where I'm at right now. You know, it's like, how do we, where do we go from here when we have these anxieties about our, um, you know, our own, our, ourselves as I are, we're scientists and we're human beings doing science. And it's not fair that I should have to worry about being a human being, uh, you know, who does science when I should be worrying about the science because that's a big enough problem. Yeah, that's so beautifully said. Thank you, um, Jacqueline. Bravo. And by the way, you know, you're that's so invaluable because you look around uh, everywhere. Everywhere I look, everywhere I look, there's a community of people like that community you talked about of students and and scientists like you. Um, and what's really promising is that we have more tools than ever for people in communities to make a difference. Um, the Flint water problem was identified by a mother and a, la- and a lab at a university that she found using the internet. Uh, Vol- Volkswagen cheating was found by a tiny little 
Air Clean Air NGO and West Virginia University, a couple of scientists who drove a car and measured the emissions. Um, uh, Greenpeace does this great work on palm oil, you know, in pulp and paper in Southeast Asia, where they used um, people on the ground there. And then they use YouTube to create really spunky videos to punish companies for, you know, not paying attention to sourcing. So, and we have that all around. Um, the the uh, the Aliso Canyon natural gas gusher was identified because the Environmental Defense Fund and another NGO had an airplane with a with an infrared camera, and that, that wouldn't have been the big story it was if it wasn't visible. So, so I mean, it's all not enough. It's all not enough, and it's really frightening that we live in a world where the the things you're talking about and we all see are are conceivable. But there's plenty to do. Yeah. Um. I, even before the the election, there was um this Twitter um conversation that I um w- was involved with with um Alex Steffen, um, who's a futurist and a guy I really respect. He's a brilliant um thinker, and um his point is that we are in such a bind right now because of the time frame associated with climate change. The carbon budget is ticking every day. And we're at the point where the only thing that will really get us on a 2C path is um, complete systemic change. I mean, we have to have dense urban cities. We have to get rid of, of cars completely, not, not just switch to electric cars. We have to um, totally reimagine our world and then go out and make it. And all within the span of like 10 years. Um, and that is the scale of the problem. And, uh, and he um, was defending his, his air travel um, to me, saying that I, as a person, this is what I know what to do. I know how to go and talk about these problems and energize the community and, and spread the message that this is the most important thing we can tackle right now. And I was like, you know what, like, I need to, I need to change, you know, when I see something, um, we don't we don't have the luxury of absolutist opinions anymore. We have to react to the facts on the ground. And you know, I gave up flying several several years ago. Maybe I don't do that anymore. And and I'll get huge amounts of flack, uh, you know, if I start back up. But maybe that's the best thing for me to do right now. And just knowing that each of us has our own f- personal uh, actions we can take. Each of us can contribute. Each of us are part of the solution. And Trump cannot take that away from us. We have the ability to cut carbon out of our own lives. We have the ability to rally the community, um, our own tiny community, our our friends and family, um, most, most importantly, to talk to them about why climate change is important, why everything um, depends on on this and in context with all these other social issues now that we will probably be dealing with in a renewed way. You just ha- we just have to keep being us. We can't let um, someone change who we are that is not does not share our values. So um, keep keep up the fight and 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 now more importantly than ever, um, not to quit because the project or the science research or the article or whatever you were thinking about writing but now are not writing because you're totally despondent and suicidal because of the election that will not that will be a moment that that you know that that the trump will win you know and you mm-hmm. can't let that happen sometimes the most radical thing you can do is the work right like is to be excellent and you know i was 
like a friend of mine told their students, um, she teaches at a, in an institution where 90% of her class are people of color. And she said, the best thing that you can do, I mean, they were, it was bad. It was bad in the classroom. People were crying. And she was like, the best thing you can do is be excellent because that will be the egg in the face of all of the people who do not believe in the, you know, in America, the, in, in, a, in a country, in an America that values you, right? I think um, I think that's a great place to stop, and we're going to have a lot more to think and say about this this week, of course. Um, if you like what we're doing um, with this show, please tell a friend. Um, you know, join join us, become part of our community, send us suggestions. Um, we have thoughts for a guest, or if you want to be a guest on our show, um, let us know. Our email address is ourwarmregards at gmail, or you can follow us on Twitter at ourwarmregards. We are all in this together, everyone. Um, this is not over, and it will not be over for a long, long, long time. So for Jacqueline, Andy, our producer, Stephen Lacey, I'm Eric Holthouse. Thank you for listening. We'd like to thank Arcadia Power for supporting Warm Regards. Arcadia's online platform provides clean energy options to homeowners and renters in all 50 states. Anyone who pays a utility bill is eligible to sign up and start using clean energy at home at no extra cost with a free 50% wind option. Reduce your impact and get four free LED light bulbs sent to your door when you sign up at arcadiapower.com slash warmregards. Arcadia Power, help to change the way America consumes energy.